six pack lapping at. I got my man Ashton, the the returning king, man. And this time the throne was heavily contested. The hype on this one, Ashton. The hype going into this, the, the it's a three-way battle. It's very easy for people to have gotten lost in you versus Bob. But Keenan was definitely a threat. I know he finished third outside of you guys, but Keenan's up there. But you and Bob, my goodness. And, you, you know, we were talking right before we started recording right now. How you got fired up for this one. The hype on Bob last year ended off Bob won best lifter of USAPL Nats. Bob won like lifter of the year. He had the highest, uh, I, I think, did he not have the highest formula? Or am I lying about that? Ooh. I think uh, I remember because Taylor might Atwood commented. Yeah. Because might... I remember Taylor Atwood saying, only because I let you. Yeah. Famously. And Bob had the number one. He, he had his finger up like I'm number one. And there was whatever. Anyways, point being that building is um, the, the hype between the showdown between you two crazy hype and the hype between bob alone warranted because he's an absolutely special talent crazy hype and some people thought this would be a passing of the torch of, of sorts maybe you know a new a new reign of sorts as well in, in this weight class with bob over you mm -hmm. and you were on the podcast last time like this year i'm going to destroy everybody you know, you, you were fired up by it. And some people will avoid competition. You leaned in and we're like, okay, so let's, we all know, like, we're going to get into the actual day of, um, and talk about the battle itself and how you feel about it. And then the future as well, where you're going to end up. But before we get there, tell me about leading into this. Tell me your thoughts, how motivated you were. Tell me about leading into this hype by far the most hype battle of, of USAPL Nats. Yeah, so this was a pretty big one. Um, what kind of was happening uh, during all of the training and everything is the biggest thing for me was seeing all of the people saying what they were saying, right? You know, oh, Bob era, you know. Oh, you know, it, it was kind of a thing where a lot of people placed their their trust in, in Bob to win. And, and, you know, I didn't necessarily entirely, like, disagree with that sentiment. It was just a matter of, it almost it, it almost kind of took on this this form where people were kind of acting like oh well he's gonna win and it's just not even gonna be like a a thing he's just the best and that's really all there is to it and I was like is it really like that <laughs> you know in my mind I'm like it might be a lot closer than that um, and I think Bob knew that too um, and you know Keenan also knew that and um, so for me that really added to to a, a lot in terms of hype to like my training. And going into the competition, because in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not going to respond to any of this stuff like publicly. I'm just going to save it and let it marinate all the way up until the day. And then, you know, we'll we'll see who comes out on top on the day. And, um, you know, by the time we got through squats, you know, in my mind, I was like, I can I can win this. So um, that kind of was sort of the, the, the pinnacle and peak and in terms of hype. I will also say a big factor for me was moving back to uh, Texas. Um, so I just came back here recently. And since then, you know, training has actually been really, really productive and really good. Um, it's been it's been good to be back in my uh, old stomping grounds. When when all this is happening, like I think the one of the pinnacles with the Bob hype, I think he had attempted a thousand kilos um in prep 
And um, did he get that thousand kilo or did he just miss? I think he just missed, right? But it was close or. Yeah. yeah. And, but it made people just the, just the attempt of me made, made the door swing open in terms of people's imagination. And the hype really got crazy. He started doing things like, I, I don't have all this training off by heart, but he was like, wasn't he doubling like five or, or nine fifty five or nine fifty or like he was doing crazy things. Whereas when you're doing stuff like that, you start thinking, well, where's your top end singles? You know, and, and again, like 955 or whatever is off the top of my head, but it was some crazy doubles, crazy top right. end SPD days that were just insane. When you were seeing this yourself, were you thinking, were, were you still 100% believing I could beat this guy? Were you, what, what were your thoughts on all this? Absolutely. Um, so my, my mentality going into it was when I, when I saw his training, I know for a fact that when it comes to um, rep carryover to a one rep max, I know that two reps for me and two reps for Bob in terms of what it means for our one rep max is not the same at all. So his two, his two rep, I would say is probably a lot closer to a one rep max. Whereas with mine, it's, it's a lot further away. So for example, if, um, if I squat, you know, 750 for two, I'm pretty confident I can hit 800. Whereas I think Bob would hit like 775 or something. Right. So that's kind of, that's one thing. So I'm like, that's one, that's one way to kind of rationalize that. And I think that's absolutely true of us. Um, and then secondarily, my training was going pretty good too. So I intentionally didn't want to overreach too aggressively in training because one, I didn't want to get injured, um, which kind of played out in an interesting way anyway. And then two, um, I just wanted to be able to hit numbers where I would be confident that on the meet day, I'd be able to hit what I needed to win and to build another, uh, to build another PR total. So while watching his training and it, it crazy as it was, you know, I told myself, yeah, I can, this is beatable. Um, <laughs> I just have to, you know, I just have to show up. I got to show up and um, I got to show up every day and be intentional with everything I do. And that's sort of what I did uh, leaning into this meet. That's really like in terms of you analyzing being, I understand he's doubling and you could easily crawl into your own head and be like, Oh my God. Well, when I double this much, it means my singles here. And it's good that you actually said to yourself, that might not be the case. His double isn't my double in terms of the percentage of my single. And you could eat a lot of people would have freaked themselves out. You know, a lot of people would have been, Especially, I, th I don't even think people necessarily, you, you see these freaking calculators online where it's like, enter your rep yeah, and the amount of reps you rep. Those calculators never work. Those, those are so bunk, man, because it's different <laughs> for everybody, let alone a universal calculator like that. But we do things like this as powerlifters. We do things like this as, you know, in the preview shows, people often come on a preview show and be like, look, at I did the math and this is what I project for this individual. That's why there's no such thing as, no, you didn't do the math. You're guessing. When people use that term for preview shows, do the math. This is this is that. This is that. This is where I predict they're going to be at. Stop with this is where I predict. But there's no such thing as doing the math because you're not. It doesn't add up like that. It's total guesswork and it's all different for everybody. And then, oh, by the way, within the last week or two, everything can change based off of, and here it follows into my next questions, body weight. 
mm-hmm. and injuries and fatigue and things like that. For Bob, he openly said, since that thousand kilo attempt, I haven't been the same. He's yeah. like, something happened, overreach, whatever. Whereas you said, I'm staying in the pocket, thank you very much. I'm okay if you want to ha- handle the the hype. You take the hype. I'll hang in the pocket and stay fresh. Um, so maybe how fresh were you in terms of injuries and the body weight? Were you surprised all three of you guys were 105 point something when Bob's talking about going 120? And it could have been an arms race, so to speak, in terms of size. If yeah. all you guys were like, who's going to blink? Who's going to show up 110 kilos, have a five kilo body weight event, be half a weight class up on the rest of the opposition? Turned yeah. out none of you guys, but it could have happened, especially if Bob's talking, I'm going 120. I don't know if this is a bluff, if it's real, if it's, were you surprised he ended up going 105? Why did you go 105? Yeah. So, so for the body weight thing, I wasn't too shocked about Bob and Keenan because I'd kind of been monitoring their stuff and, and even just like their physical appearance, right? Like everything I've been watching everything from both of them, the whole train up all the way up and, you know, analyzing all their training, like their physical appearance, everything, right. Every detail. And I'm just like, I don't think either of these guys are going to weigh in above 235. They're just, they don't look big enough uh, to be that heavy to fill out a 110 and to fill out 110 quickly too. Right. So from, from um, the time we all sort of, basically signed up for nationals and and we all were in it there wasn't a lot of time between then and the start of the meet for them to gain five kilos of body weight um just really difficult tasks to do especially if you have to just force food down and overeat and stuff like that so in my case interestingly enough i was actually heavier a good portion of the prep i was like some sometimes waking up around like 240 pounds um but when i got to memphis i got there about five or six days early and I lost weight in Memphis, not because I was like, you know, nervous or freaking out. Like I was actually relatively like relaxed. Uh, the issue was, is I didn't really like the food that much there. So I just didn't eat a whole lot. <laughs> and then I was, you know, watching the meat and stuff like that too. And uh, so I just naturally shed, you know, a few pounds. And I imagine as, you know, oftentimes occurs as you're gaining or losing a lot of weight, you know, there's like water manipulation and stuff like that. So no doubt. Um, some of that weight that came off really quickly was probably water weight. And then, you know, a couple of, of pounds also of just not eating enough throughout the week. Um, so that's kind of what happened in my case when it comes to body weight. So I was actually shocked at how light I was when I weighed in. Mm. I was like, well, I might as well have just lost the extra 0.8 and just weighed 105. And this could have counted, you know, an open powerlifting for both weight classes. But it's true. That's yeah. true. So it was funny to me, but but it, it was all good. Um so that was super interesting to see um in my opinion um i think as far as 120 goes i think i could actually probably gain the weight easier than bob could um at least at this time but um i do think you know that he will probably be better off in that weight class and i'd probably be better off on 105 that's probably later in the conversation like a different discussion but as far as injuries go because that was the second part of your question um most of the prep, I was actually pretty healthy. So I didn't really have any major issues. Like my pec, you know, and shoulders were fine. Nothing was hurting upper body wise. You know, everything was doing really good until like the last like six weeks, last five or six weeks. And then, um, and, and as what, and as is what happens sometimes with heavy training, I have, I started to have a lot of uh, just like lower and mid back flare ups. 
um, which, which again, like does happen, especially during preps for really big meets sometimes. And when, when that happened, it kind of made, you know, specifically like deadlifting and, and squatting, you know, very painful, but I was able to sort of hit my heaviest training uh, four weeks out from the competition. Right. And so it was really painful, but I got it done. And I told myself, if I hit this, I know I'm in a good position to win for a fact, because as I spoke to earlier, I know how these numbers in my training would translate to like a meet day event. So once that happened, I was able to um, spend the the four weeks going into the meet, lifting a lot lighter, like very submaximally. And I did that all the way into the meet. And I actually was really, that was actually really beneficial for me. And for competing and with the loads I'm starting to lift now in competition, that actually might be the the better way to uh, go into a meet going forward, actually. Um, so I was able to mitigate some of the those issues like with the back, but it was really painful. And then there were game day decisions that had to be made as well, like pulling sumo, which I didn't train this prep. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we could get into deadlifts when we get into the day, but first off, it's kind of, is that unique you think to peak, so to speak with the top end heavy stuff a month out. And then I don't know if I use the term taper for three weeks or a month. It wasn't necessarily a taper, but just lighter intensities. Is that relatively new for you? I haven't heard too much of people doing that, actually. We, we've we tried it once in the past. Um, it didn't work as well then, but also the training style we had then was a little bit different. Um, so I think that we we learned, we got more data since then, because that was a couple of years ago. We got more data since then. Mm -hmm. and we learned stuff about how I respond to training. And we were able to effectively implement that strategy for this competition. And for me, it's really good because for me, I don't need to lift crazy heavy loads two or three weeks out from the meet. For me, so I think some of this is, of course, obviously physiological. And I'm like most recovered if I can lift four weeks out heaviest on all three versus, you know, two weeks out or three weeks out. So one, I'm much more recovered. And then two, the psychological aspect is also a big important factor here as well, because I know in the back of my mind, if I show up to that meet and I feel good, anything they put on the bar, I can, I can probably do it. So, um, you know, one feeling recovered and feeling good. And then that has, you know, a psychological effect as well. And you kind of gain a competitive edge and advantage there. So that's kind of what happened. Uh, with me, I noticed with this sort of peaking style, it worked out really well and in my benefit, actually, on the day. Um, I was able to walk away with a squat PR, um, locked out a deadlift meet PR, but it got called two to one. And, and yet after watching the footage again, I thought it was a fair call. You know, I, I think it could have gone either way. Um, and then uh, a meet PR total as well. And, you know, I walked away with two sort of drug tests at all time um, uh, records and squat in, in total. So. It worked. Makes sense um, on the surface when you think about it, where you peak, hit some massive numbers, and then you have like another second ramp up, if you will, almost like four week block peaking. So then your next four weeks, you'll peak again and it'll be meat day as opposed to exactly. peaking, hitting your biggest lifts right before tapering and then expecting to hit more again. Yeah, that's kind of depends, right? Yeah, yeah, it does depend. For some people, it you know it works. Um, for me, I've noticed that at this point in my training career, my my competings, you know, and and just with my life in general, like all the you know sort of other variables to consider in my lifestyle, it's more 
difficult to do that now. Hit those heaviest lifts two weeks out, take progressively, and then show up. I can do it and it'll work, but it 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 isn't, I don't think, I don't think I'll be getting the most bang for my buck going that way forward. So I think um what we did this meet worked out very, very well. And we were both really pleased with the outcome. And you know, something else to think about. You know, since this was a head-to-head battle, um, a three-way head-to-head battle, which is, you know, which is really, really intense um, because you got your eyes on two guys and not one and any one of them could easily win. You know, that it's not guys fighting for second place. It's not guys fighting for first place. It's everyone gunning for first place. And just depending on how attempts pan out, anyone could win. Um, So with all that said, on the day, so I went seven for nine. I hit 2134 in the total so 968 kilos so the third deadlift you know i was doing the numbers in my head right i'm like all right so how would this have panned out if i went nine for nine so the third deadlift 856 i think it was 388.5 or something like that that would give me i think 985.5 and then my second my third bench that i missed um at lockout and that was also an interesting story because this was a pretty fast-paced meet and uh bench warm-ups were interesting um i took two bench warm-ups before opening with like 452. Um, but so I didn't feel as stable during bench, but I missed right at lockout with, with 220 kilos, which honestly I was expecting that to actually fly. So that was interesting. Um, but I was thinking a nine for nine day, that would have been a 990.5 uh, total at 105.8. So you just missed those lists. It wasn't like you were like far off. Like, no, yeah. So, you know, but but it's interesting, but it also just speaks to how important attempts are when it's a head-to-head because one missed lift could mean such a dramatic slash to your total. Um, mm. So it was just really interesting to kind of see how all of that panned out. But strength-wise, you know, coming into this meet to speak to the peaking strategy, 990.5 was there. <laughs> I I felt the strongest in a competition I've ever felt that, that day, for sure. It's, it, it's just like Matt Gary says, you win when you land lifts. And so, like you have to go with it's close to nine for nine as you can. And to your point, you miss one. It could set you back so great. Now here's the good part: if you miss one, it's not the end of the day because it's not everybody. There's a chance that your competitor is going to miss as well. The fa- yeah. the chances of them going nine for nine, it's just like yourself. So if you miss a squat or a bench, you got to keep your chest uh, your, your your chest out, head up, and be like, look, it. Somebody else is going to miss as well. This isn't over yet. So, but right, just do the best you can with that day. If they do go nine for nine and you go seven for nine, you were capable of, if not quite 990, let's say 987 and a half. Well, frig, that's where it hurts you. You're like, ah, shit. But it's hard to tell. Come meet day. Did you think that 968 coming into this, would you have thought 968 would be the winning number? Yeah, I, I like. I think I opened and said a few times that my prediction uh, for winning the one ten weight class was probably going to be mid twenty one hundred range. So twenty one thirty four won it, about, you know, fifteen pounds, sixteen pounds off of twenty one fifty, which is the number that I predicted would would win the weight class. So that's actually right around what I expected, not far off at all. Maybe seven and a half kilos off of what I expected. Uh, so that's. I think that's a pretty good. Um, it was a pretty accurate estimate that I had because I, I knew it wasn't going to be 2200. I think that was too much of a stretch for the weight class at this time, um, at least at a national level. But right. So we are, we're considering context too. So the reason why my prediction was lower than a lot of people may have thought or may not have thought, 
it was, you know, everyone's like, oh, a thousand kilos, you know, for, you know, palm pressure. But, you know, I just realized that that wasn't realistic. Um, it's not that we're not strong enough per se, or that we couldn't get strong enough. It's just a matter of on game day, as you and I know, face, you know, head to head competition. You've seen it on the world stage. You've seen it on the national stage. Totals don't always register as big as you think. And it's because people are playing to win. They're not playing to put up the biggest total possible at this 2023 raw nationals. I was not playing to put up the biggest total possible. I was playing to win, which is completely different. Um, and I want to emphasize that it is not the same at all. Um, so my goal wasn't to put up the biggest total I possibly could and potentially miss, you know, risk missing something. My goal was to go in and win. And, you know, by virtue of winning, I knew I was going to PR my competitive total anyway. So I made that my primary goal for this meeting. Yeah. A couple things on that. First off, you not getting too carried away with it as well in your own head will tint it'll keep you within range and not overreach in training, which to an extent, Bob openly said, I think that one day taxed me pretty heavily. Whereas if you get too hyped in your own head, like I need a thousand kilos to do this, you start buying into that hype. You're going to push in training, maybe even over push well, and you can start frying your nervous system. Whereas if you take more like, look at to your other point in terms of meat day, if we were just in the gym, and it's like, let's just try to find your max squat, your max bench, and your max deadlift. No such thing as three attempts. No such thing as, you know, you only get three to find it. You go as many as you want. Wow, that's close. I think it go a little even heavier. You just load on whatever increments you want. It's totally different. So when you see people doing SBD days in the gym and they're crazy numbers, you know in your head, like you had alluded to, that's not a powerlifting competition. Though. Even an SBD day is not a powerlifting competition because you could easily find your max lifts on all three with no competition nipping you at the heels and no attempts needed to be made. It's all just completely up to you. That is not how powerlifting is actually done as a sport. That's where a lot of people, if they've never made it to that level in that level of competition and realize how different it is, you got lot numbers, you got a jury, you got, you know, the whole nine, the refs on the platform, it isn't, and warming up, none of it is to your own timeline, and you only have three attempts, you don't just keep going on your squat, wow, I'm having a better day than expected, let's do another one. No, there is no fourth attempt, you, you're stuck at three. So Over, if you left yeah. 10 kilos on the table, you left 10 kilos on the table. It's not that easy, you know? Yeah, yeah, it requires a lot of um, precision. You know, especially at this level of competition, you know, uh, you know, for a sport that's literally, you know, just us lifting weights, it's actually there's a lot of intricacy. There's a lot of intricacies. There's, um, you know, definitely um, some a good a fair amount of nuance in it. And, you know, it, it's just it's not as as simple at this level competitively like it, it actually does require a good level of, of precision and, you know, sort of delineating and outlining, you know, a very very good plan going into it which is what you know i do for these events and that really helps me win them um so yeah it's from the predictions like like i 968 is right around ballpark what i was thinking i was gonna probably predict around 975 but i'm not surprised that 968 was the winning number yeah and that was huge for you to stay on point in terms of game plan now speaking of um who was handling you on that day was it a team was it one person in particular who took the head of it or how did that work yeah so Essentially, what was happening was, as Bob and I were competing, Marcellus was primarily 
handling us and one other lifter also in the same weight class. But he he wasn't in contention for winning, but he was putting up some really big bench presses, like over 500 pound bench presses. Um, but yeah, we also had some other people from the team um, back there helping with us too. So it wasn't just Marcellus by himself. So for me, there's my friend, um, Christian, um, the king of hype. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yeah. He was back there and for almost all these big events, he's always there with me. So he's usually like kind of primarily um, helping and assisting with handling like my stuff and my attempts and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it, I mean, it would be crazy running around with three guys on flight. You yeah. the team, even just the way two guys throw on for warmups and everything would be crazy in organizational getting like change attempts in on time and the whole nine would be freaking crazy. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. Even with help, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping abreast of it. Now, when you got to Memphis, what was the vibe like for this USAPL Nats? This one's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple key people weren't there as well as there's, a bit of a feeling i don't want to speak for you let me know if i'm off or on but there's a bit of a feeling vibe here where we know a lot of people now are announcing that they're coming over to ipf and some people were watching this almost like um one of the last great usapl nats where this crew is going to be there anyways if there's like a lot of people were heavily hinting you know i'm probably going to leave after this nats and it's almost like when you give your two weeks notice at, at your job and you're walking the halls knowing like, I'm not going to be back here and I'm not going to, you know, and a lot of these people are going to be coming over as well with you. But yeah, was there a sense of that? Was there, what did it feel like when you got there? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'll answer as, as honestly and genuinely as possible. So I, it's interesting. I, I kind of got a little bit of both of those vibes over the week. Um, well, yours and maybe an opposing one, both. So I definitely got some of, you know, wow, like a lot of these guys that are winning, you know, or, or are placing high or doing well may not be here next year, you know, probably won't be here next year. There's some big names that are, you know, that intend to go over and, and compete within the IPF um, and for good reason too. And, and you know, we might get into that later as well, but um, so there was definitely that side of it. And that was kind of there for me a little bit, like it was present. But watching the meet and seeing some of the depth of talent and some of the weight classes, I think some of the weight classes are going to be fine. So, uh, for instance, one weight class that I think was criminally underrated at this meet, just my personal opinion, and I think a lot of it was overshadowed by Rondell's performance, but I think the 125s actually put up a hell of a show. They put up a hell of a show. I mean, the winning total, you know, was 950.5 which is nothing to sneeze at, you know, from the 120 world record, that's like 20 something kilos off. Um, and, and I think top three in most of the bigger weight classes, 110 and above top three, top four in every weight class, I think was 2000 plus 2000 pounds plus in the total, which again, nothing to sneeze at and tested powerlifting, you know, a 2000 pound total is still sort of the, the Holy grail of, you know, of, of tested powerlifting. In my opinion, it's just such a, a massive amount of weight to be able to, put up and say, you've done a ton, you know, um, there's some depth in those classes. And there's a couple of guys that I know personally in some of those classes that are getting very, very strong and coming up and they intend to stay in the USAPL. So I think for some of the weight classes, there's definitely a good depth of talent, but then there's other classes where it seems like there's a big vacuum, right? So 100 kilos, for instance, you know, there was a big vacuum there. Um, the winning total was like 
a 19 year old kid, you know, putting up, <laughs> I think a, a 1930 pound total. And it was just crazy watching that because I'm like, wow, none of these guys are, are putting up 2000. You know, I, I thought back to my days as a junior competing at 220. I was like, this class looks a lot different than it did then. Um, so some classes I think are already kind of feeling what you're talking about, but I think some weight classes will be okay. Like I think 125s will be okay. I'm not too sure about 110s right now. I think 100s are developing. Um, I think 90s will still be good because some of the top contenders, I think, are just kind of not really experienced competitors yet, and they still need to refine um, their their uh, competitive abilities in order to show up better. But um, there's still definitely potential there for the USAPL to be very, very competitive and to have competitive battles in depth in a lot of weight classes. Probably not all of them, but a good number of them. But with that said, I do think that the dynamic and the field is going to look different after this next year, for sure. It, um, yeah, the 120s, as Devin Williams you're referring to, I actually had him on the podcast, and I'll be dropping that podcast as well. And he's considering coming over as well, though. Because Oh, Tony, that's interesting. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, everybody's going to be looking at Worlds. Now, Devin even mentioned himself. So Tony Cliff won Worlds with 952.5. Now he's going to Sheffield. But he's also like, so I can look at that, but I also have to look at what is Bob going to do? And if Bob goes up to 120, but then he's also telling himself, Devin is like, but do I doubt myself? I put on like, he put on like 50 kilos on his total. Um, so he's like, um, maybe he doesn't put out 50 kilos, but Eagle, I could still bump my own total as well. And um, who knows Walking what the man does. Yeah. Right. Like, like, exactly. So a lot of people are going to be humming and hawing. You know, obviously Perk, Petrie are coming over. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. Folk, I don't know what he's doing. If he comes over, um, we'll, we'll see what some of these guys do. It'll it'll be interesting, but it was. I don't know what next year's USAPL is going to look like. It's, it's I'm not sure. You a lot of it is heavy heavy rumors, and people not everyone is full come out saying I'm coming over. But when you look at the 75s, like both Joe Bornstein and Perk are coming. Mm. To your point: There's some people up and coming that might might stay and might develop well, something. Yeah. But do they stay long enough and then say, hey, I'm jumping over IPF as well and let me battle out? The the reason why you might is because the IPF side is starting to ramp up with some of the events SBD is doing, not just Sheffield, but there's other meets coming down the pipeline that are getting interesting. And I can't totally discuss too much things, but you've probably seen there's some, there's a money meet happening. Um, there's more, more and more things happening. Yeah, yeah. So, and, there, and there's also the thing too with the USAPL right now, like, you know, I think that they're trying to adopt like this international approach and it's really interesting to see how that's panning out. So I got to actually, I got the privilege of competing in Korea uh, last year, which was yeah. awesome, by the way, super cool. That was like one of the, that was one of the coolest meets I ever got to do. Um, that was super fun and just, uh, just a wonderful place to be. But with all that said, you know, that international presence is obviously grossly underdeveloped compared to the IPF. Like it's, it might as well, it basically doesn't exist in comparison. Right. And we both right. know that. Um, so once you win nationals, it's like, man, what do you do? You know? And it's like, honestly, you know, like a world championship, the world games, you know, like there's some enticing meets that are just kind of there and, you know, and you know that you have a chance to win it all. And it's like, do I take that chance and go and try to win it all or, 
you know, do I stay and, and do this? And, you know, and nothing, and I'm, I'm not knocking it, but the Arnold, honestly, not really one of my favorite meats, um, just in general. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the Arnold. I never really have been. I've done it a few times, and I've, like, tried to get into that feel for it because some people love the Arnold, but or at least competing there. But I, it was, it was like, hey, why, is, why is, why is that you think? Yeah, for me, it's mostly because it was entirely based on dots, honestly. Mm. Like, I stopped caring about dots maybe like three years ago. Like, I, I haven't been too aggressive on dots, right? Like, my, I've, you know, considered it and factored it into my performances, but it hasn't been something that I've intentionally tried to maximize, which I think is also a really important point to make. Um, because some people were asking me about dots this and dots that, and are you trying to beat your old dots? And I'm like, I mean, like, I enjoy, like, what I had, what we did, you know, me, Bob, Keenan, what we did last weekend, you know, that was, like, one of the best, like, the premier, you know, sort of head-to-head battles, you know, in powerlifting and where it gets crazy competitive and heads butt, you know, and that's what it's about. Like, that's what people like watching, you know. Um, sure, we, we do love to marvel at the crazy performances, right, like Perkins this past week. Uh, Rondell Hutt this past week, we, we we can marvel at those and those are, you know, fantastic. But the thing with the thing with those performances is you can consider that they're not too worried about the competitive depth. They're not worried about missing an attempt to lose. They're just worried about putting up the biggest total to body weight ratio possible to put up a specific dots, which again, versus competing head to head in a three-way battle is entirely different. One, you actually can maximize your total. The other, you're focused on winning. This one is more fun to me. <laughs> so the Arnold, by nature, is not this. It's, it's not even the same. Like, yeah. I can tell you right now is when you're a viewer watching, if you guys are all in the same weight class going toe-to-toe, slugging it out, I'm right on the edge of my seat. If you guys are in multiple different weight classes, but the same flight, and it's like dots, it's not the same. No, because you're telling me you're telling me this formula is the proper way, but I can punch in three different other formulas and get different rankings. How do I know? Oh, this person's better than Ashton because they're dots. So this person just beat Ashton, even though Ashton out total him by 150 kilos. I'm not convinced. And I think sports fans are going to watch and be like, but Ashton's 150 kilos stronger. And if I swap out dots and put on IPF points, Everything changes. If yeah. I swap out IPF points, put in Wilkes, Wilkes everything changes. changes. Again. Yeah. If I if I swap out dots and put in this new freaking USCPL formula, want to get your opinion on that, by the way, everything changes again. So when your whole competition is based off of that, that formula is should be a secondary note. Like IPF Worlds, you win in your weight class head-to-head. Best lifter will be that. But best lifter isn't going to give your national team points. It's not going to give you a world title. It's it's like a, a caveat at the end. But when you have the, the tournament itself is based off of a formula, it becomes, you know, I yeah, know. it's not the same, man. Like, you, no, you, you you put it perfectly. I and I totally agree. It's it's not the same at all, man. Like I I don't even competing in them, speaking as a competitor and a contender to place in those events, because winning them are very difficult. It, it's just it's not I don't even have as much fun competing in those. It's just not the same. Um, yeah, like because even with Sheffield, right? Even when you look at Sheffield, you know, there was a there's like a lot of moving pieces on how like the winners determined and you know with records and stuff like that, which was a pretty cool aspect 
But there were some interesting weight class battles in that meet too, right? Yeah. Like that that kind of made it more exciting to watch for me, you know, watching the 93s duke it out. That was awesome. Um, watching the 105s do their thing. 57s, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. All those weight <laughs> yeah. classes, right. You know, mo- most of those weight classes had some, you know, depth and talent at that meet. And it was and it was fun to watch the best of the best kind of just duke it out and go against each other. And that's, you know, that's what I really love in powerlifting um, or really in most sports for that matter is, is just that direct head to head, you know, confrontation. Right. <laughs> um, 100%. But this whole dots thing, uh, I'm not too enamored with it either. And as far as the whole USAPL, like thinking about making a new formula, I don't know too much about it, but we're already oversaturated with formulas and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, oh, well, they weigh this much, they look this much, so it's technically more impressive than that. And, you know, I mean, I, I think you can make some arguments, you know, there, like Perkins putting up an 851 kilo total at 74 point something is pretty damn impressive. Um, just to, just like, that's like an all-time kind of performance, right? But for the most part, uh, you know, outside of like those very, very rare exceptions, there's just not a lot of like, like, yeah, if, if a guy is totaling 200 kilos less than me, but you're telling me his formula points are like a couple points higher. Nothing against the guy. He's probably a phenomenal lifter, right? You know, that's not that's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm saying is to me, it's just like, is this really more impressive though? You know, I it's it's you know, yeah. Or even like how accurate can you tell me it is that he's pound for pound stronger when there's gonna be four or five different formulas? Why are there four or five? Like I've talked to so to your point, you brought up Sheffield. The reason why Sheffield decided to base it off world records and percentage of world records, because they're not, they want to avoid creating another formula by looking at data points and drawing a line through it. And how many different ways you could make a formula, if you keep making more and more and more, you're more or less proving the point you can't make the most accurate formula. It's impossible. How come they all don't predict the same winner because these formulas are just that data points, which you're drawing a line through and Sheffield attempted two things to your point. And then we'll double back to the USAPL one, but Sheffield was like, a, it's just you versus history. How far can you push it? Like when Atwood did 838.5, the reason why Taylor was like, he was so many leagues ahead of what we'd ever seen in that weight class. Mm-hmm. Say less. Oh my God. You're literally ahead of your time. Um, you know, if a hundred meter race runner, destroys the record or just small chips it. That's what Sheffield was doing is like, well, let's not read data points, how you read it, how I read it, how, or here's how our formula works. It's more just literally, here's the record. Where are you in, in proximity yeah. to the history? The bar, how far are you from it? Yeah. Yeah. How far are you ahead? Or, and also doubling up on that, they also, like you said, specifically targeted very dense showdowns. They brought it in. 57s, 76s, 93s, we had two 66s, like we, whatever, I won't go through the whole roster, but they did that on purpose as well. So stacking the deck. Um, but in terms of the USDPL formula that they're talking about now, here's a couple things that I noted. I haven't dropped the podcast yet with Devin Williams, but we discussed this. What One of the reasons why the viewership of USAPL Nats is so much lower than IPF Worlds now, and there's a couple moves that USAPL's done that I... I think if they read the temperature of the room, they wouldn't have done these moves. But mm. so I, when I have people on the podcast and I ask them, who do you watch in powerlifting? You're an athlete. Who do you watch? Almost always everyone watches their own weight class 
and maybe a weight class up, maybe a weight class down. Sometimes if they're powerlifting nerds like me, they'll watch all weight classes and they're super duper fans of the sport. But yep. usually, but we're, we're minorities, like in terms of when you're like that, usually you watch your own weight class, weight class up, weight class down. USAPL leaves the rest of the world and changes the weight classes. Mistake number one, my friend, the rest of the world now does not have their own weight class in your federation. Yeah. The rest of the world now doesn't compare themselves to you. They don't have four, 50, 57s as like a star-studded class. 63s, 69s. And when they look at the USAPL, it, same with like the one of I don't got to tell you, the 105s and the 110s. Now, you guys all wait around 105. Good. That's this year. But in years to come, years past, whatever, yeah. when we move forward, the rest of the world isn't going to see their own weight classes. They'll tune in and be like, what? It, that's a huge factor, 100%. And if you pay attention to what people say, they almost always say, I pay attention to people, my own body weight, my own weight class. That's one mistake. Number two, when with the dots, okay, IPF does IPF points. Dots is still kind of used throughout the world in the untested, et cetera. If you're going to go a completely new formula in whatever pro series, whatever the heck you're going to do, if you're going to base it off of a formula, the rest of the world doesn't use, doesn't understand. Already people are caring less and less about formulas. You're going to further dilute the, the quality and credibility of a formula by making your own that nobody else uses. And I won't even know if that's, I don't know, like when you tell me your formula numbers for the new USAPL one, the rest of the world's going to be like, I don't know. Is that good? Yeah, is it bad? <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? What does that mean? You're, you're going to give me a formula in a weight class that are not mine, now you're further and further on your own island. I, I don't have the same weight class when I watch you and you have a formula. I don't even know what the hell's going on. Yes. You're getting worse and worse. You're backing up. You're actually, these are good moves. I, I yeah. don't understand why they're doing this. Yeah. I I can't speak to why they're doing that either. I, I, I don't really, you know, functionally understand what the thought process is behind that decision. Um, you know, uh, and I kind of, I kind of carry a similar sentiment. I just think that again, we're already oversaturated with formulas, throwing in another formula into the mix is not going to make, there's just no net gain or positive here that I can see. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's a decision that I, that I disagree with. And don't get me wrong. I'm a guy who loves competing in the USAPL and the national event this year was actually, you know, aside from, you know, being in, in Memphis, like it was actually really fun. <laughs> Devin talked about that, by the way. He, yeah, that, said, he goes, dude, Memphis. Yeah. He's like, he said, Memphis is like voted the most violent city in America. I think maybe behind Chicago or something. I forget. I have to re-listen to the podcast, but he's like, dude, Memphis is you going to be careful. Like, really? I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a nice, it's not necessarily nice. Um, but but yeah, it, you know, it, aside from that, okay, minus that part, the rest of nationals, you know, competing, minus that, and then minus the whole, you know, schedule change that happened, like, pretty close to the meet, where the 110s were moved to Sunday instead of Saturday, like, minus that stuff, actually competing, the equipment that we used, um, and stuff like that, all that stuff, that was, stuff was pretty good, like, and, you know, it was actually a fast-paced, our session was very, very fast, because our flight was, I want to say, seven lifters. Oh, wow. So, you know, like we're not only hitting these weights, but we're hitting these weights with like five to seven minute like rest periods, like it, like half of what you might get at most other meets. 
you know, so this was kind of like almost like an IPF world flight, basically in terms of speed. It was that's pretty much what it was. And I, and, you know, even when I did worlds way, 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 way eons ago, like you know, that flight was also like very small, like I think eight guys or something like that, and it, it felt like that. I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing today, you know, which is fine. I'm, I train fast, so I'm used to it. But yeah, that was another factor. Here. Consider. Yeah. To your point, those are the factors that are different than when you're at the gym, taking your own time, working yep. up to your squat max, the totally different ball game when you show up at a competition and it's, you know, seven minute turnaround and you got to rock and roll, pick your attempt in 60 seconds. How did that feel? Uh, felt okay, but well, good because you got to go again in like five minutes. Yeah. 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 So yeah, whole nother ball game. So I was really happy actually that I was able to take two eight hundred plus pound, you know, squats in the same meet. Um, and you know, do them like to depth and do them convincingly and clean and stuff like that, because that's that's tough under that time frame. For sure. Let's talk about let's talk about meat day. Let's dive in. And then we're gonna talk about the future as well. But so squats were on. You had an absolutely phenomenal squat session. In terms of the warm up, in terms of are, are you paying attention to what other people are doing? In by the time it wrapped, I got to think your. I think you alluded earlier. You thought, "Oh, I think I'm. I think I might have this." Did you think you might have this already? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. So it was hard not to see what everybody else was doing, and you want to know why? Why is that? Well, all three of us were warming up on the same rack. Oh shit! <laughs> the whole week, the same bar, the same rack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were warming up right in the same spot. All three of us, you know, just, you know, watching each other the whole time, every single thing everyone's doing. And it was so funny. That is so bizarre. He's intense. Yeah. <laughs> Super intense. Right, man. But not only, so that can get in your head or give confidence. Yeah. I mean, usually here's the thing. If you're feeling it, if you're around someone who's in the zone, feeling it and they're murdering weights and the bar speed is beautiful in the warm-up room. And you look over and they're like, you could tell because we've all had that before. If that's your opposition having one of those days, that can get in your head. Flip side, if you're not having a good day, you're like, fuck it, kind of a little slow, little whatever. But you can't even be honest about it on your face. You can't even be honest about it to your handler right beside you because the guy's right there vibing. Yeah. In your your lack of confidence or your fuck i'm not feeling great gives me my more steam when i'm starting to doubt a little but i look over at you and see you struggling i'm like no nah, i'm all right it's the reason why mma fights and boxing matches they legitimately when one guy is tired in the corner they're like don't worry the other guy's even more tired yep and it gives you hope it's like don't worry he's however you're feeling he's feeling worse that's that's always what they say in every single corner but when you're in the warm-up room and you're sharing a freaking warm-up yeah. platform it's literally like fuck if i'm feeling bad don't let him know because it gives him courage no it was it funny him- this was crazy this was crazy okay so so squats you know my warm-ups were flying like crazy they all felt good and then um even my opener i took so my last warm-up was like i think 600 and then i opened with 738 which for me is actually a normal jump so that actually that all it's crazy that all felt really good actually um and the other thing for me is i actually put in very conservative openers too and i also take massive jumps so that's another thing i think for me competitively that gives me like an an edge a competitive edge because psychologically it just messes with people when you open with like you know say 335 on squat or 325 on deadlift and then you jump 40 or 50 kilos 
and then you destroy it. They're just like, what? Squat too. You 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 did three thirty five to three seventy one on yeah. squats. Yeah, That's crazy. Yep, yep. And and those 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 are the kinds of things and jumps that it, it'll get in someone's head, you know for sure. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, that it was on right, and you know. I didn't want to show any weakness, even with bench press. Like, so because the meat was moving faster than we expected and we didn't really have time to run for benches, I, I hit 155 pounds and then 407 pounds. And then those were my two warm-ups for bench. So, yeah. So that's probably why my bench day didn't go as good as I expect, you know, expected. Well, I didn't feel stable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes well, sense. We still tied the meat PR, which was good, 215. Um, so, you know, we walked away with a good bench there. And then with deadlifts, this was really interesting. So we were all deadlifting in the same area. And I was, you know, planning to pull conventional because that's what I trained. And with the back flare up, pulling conventional on the day just it just wasn't there. It hurt really badly. Like it was moving fast, but I knew, hey, like these these three reds, like this is okay. But if I put on seven reds, I, I don't think this is gonna end well for me. Right. Mm. Um so Marcellus and I, you know, we were like, I told I talked to him, I'm like, hey man, like the back is like after that, after like the squats and um, just after the last few weeks, you know, that, that we had where we just kind of had that flare up, I'm like, I, this isn't safe. <laughs> we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to pull sumo. <laughs> so did you do that, do that decision right there on the spot in the warm up room? Yep. At four reds while, while, while warming up. Okay. So uh, first off, that's fucking crazy. And I'm sure. So for anyone listening, just, just to catch up story wise, Heenan and Bob and you, well, sorry, Bob goes six for six um, on, on the squat and bench. Keenan and you both miss your last bench press. So going into deadlifts, um, you're confident because you absolutely murdered squats. You lost five kilos on bench. Okay. Nothing super duper crazy. I, I mean, be hard what I needed. Yeah. Right. Right. But this conversation, A, would that not scare the shit out of you? Day of switching like that. B, when you have that conversation, you're all on the same platform. My friend, if I'm on that platform and I'm Bob or Keenan, I'm like, did I just hear this dude make a game day decision to totally switch from sumo to conventional? Because that would give me confidence. That would yeah. be shatter. And it, and it might have. I, I don't know. Like once they saw me pulling sumo instead of conventional, they were probably like, what? And then Bob, <laughs> I actually told Bob directly. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to lie to him. I was like, hey, Bob, like back is killing me right now. I think I'm just gonna pull sumo. He was like, he was like, don't do it, man. Cause because you know in his mind is like this is gonna go bad. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, dude, I, I can't do conventional today. It's just not there. I know it. So, you know, I was like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> which was really funny. Like, dude, yeah, what, like, were you like that? Were you nervous? Were you like oh yeah? Up until then, you're confident. You said after squat, you're like, I'm I got this, I'm gonna win this. But then once that happened, we were like, okay, we're right back to 50-50. I don't know what the shit's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. And that's honestly what made it so exciting too, because you just don't know what's about to happen. You're like, is this going to end good, bad? Like, you know, no matter how it ends and how you feel afterwards, in that moment, I enjoyed it because I was like, this is exciting. Um, it was scary, but it was exciting. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, am I going to get hurt? Like <laughs> yeah. uh, other stuff, you know, this is a lot of weight. But I made the we made a really smart decision on this. And, you know, from what we had originally planned versus what we actually put in for openers on meet day, I was like, well, batsman, you know, achy. And I feel a lot better going into the meet, which I think is what allowed me to squat so much. 
Um, because again, I'm not like quite lifting at a hundred percent at the meet, but like you know, pretty good. So I was like, okay. I was like, so the back is like strong and we're strong and we're on, everything's on. It's just, you know, doing this specific movement is really painful and it could seriously lead to some problems, like getting hurt badly. So um, you know, with all of that said, we just sort of made the executive decision to you know, like, hey, like, if, if we need to pull someone, we can, one. And then, two, we lowered the opener to 325. So, gotcha. so we, we didn't actually lower it during the meet. We lowered it, you know, on the day of the morning when I weighed in and put in my openers. I'm like, let's open with 325 instead of, like, 340 or, you know, whatever we originally played. Right? If, if deadlifts were feeling good or wrong. So we opened with 325, and that was awesome because, you know, my last warm-up usually is, like, five reds anyway. So I go out, six reds is on the bar, 717, 325. And I hit it, and it actually moves pretty good. I'm like, oh, okay, we're in. I'm like, okay, so we should make the jump. And then I just went up to Marcellus. He was like, what do you want next? And I said, put in whatever like puts me in the lead, right? So he puts in 372.5, which, fun fact, is the same weight that I pulled to win um, 20, ooh, 2021 Nationals against Bryce Lewis, I think. For second attempt it was the same second attempt 372.5 and so that's a special number for me a lucky number probably and we put it in and um i hit it and it actually moved pretty good i was i was shocked i was like wow this is actually going a lot better than i thought yeah, and, and then, <laughs> yeah so we put in i think it was 388.5 it was like 856 pounds which is that's right i think 14 pounds less than my training pr for sumo and in a meet it would have been a 12 pound pr um and it moved good. I mean, um, I don't really know what happened. I guess one side kind of like dipped or something, but um, but it, I actually felt like I had a little bit more left over there too, because I can really grind a deadlift. So I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. <laughs> so that was also pretty interesting data too. But yeah. Well, like for you to drop the deadlift was smart when you're not sure. A you weren't sure about your back. So you dropped it earlier in the day, like you said. Then you flipped over from conventional sumo which thank god you had dropped it if you hadn't earlier you probably would have dropped it then anyways when you decided to do a switch like that yeah so you solidified your total and you 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 got a chance to solidify your total and test things out how it's going to move the big thing though when jumping to your second which is almost a 50 kilo jump 47 and a half kilo jump which is a pretty monstrous jump this is, becomes a bit of an all or nothing. That yeah. second attempt, you didn't know it at the time, but that second attempt was literally going to win you the, the title. Literally, it was going to win yeah. you the showdown. It was everything. Yep. And it's a 50 kilo jump and you switch from conventional sumo. Like That's a huge, you know, it's it's dicey, but you it have to play deal. with the hands you're given. Yep. You don't know your back's going to flare up. You don't even have to switch stances right off the bat. You don't know. And Ashton, thank God you have the opportunity to switch up. Most people are just... If you're a sumo puller and your hip, well, like hips is an issue with sumo, and your yep. hip flares up, you can't just switch to conventional and still win. You're probably oh. switch to conventional and not bomb out, but you're going to go from fighting for first to fighting for fifth. Yep. Same with vice versa. You're a conventional puller. You switch to sumo. <clears throat> you're probably just getting your total. You've never pulled through. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> there's no but way. You're, you're lucky. It's Your switch hitting is... It's pivotal for you. And it's yes. so rare, so rare that your sumo and conventional are so close together. Thank God you've been working on this for years. I have You're very rare that. that you can do that. I have to credit that to Gene Bell. And um, I will agree partially that, yes, I, I am, you know, 
I'm lucky enough to be able to do both well. But I will also say it was a lot of hard work. So there are plenty of times over the years where I would train both simultaneously, like concurrently at the same time, or I would train them on and off. So I've gotten to a point where I'm very confident that if I haven't touched it in months and I walk up to it, as long as I've been training heavy, I can pick up over 800 pounds, either style. I mean, that's a huge benefit for some people just biomechanically. One is going to be so much ahead of the other. Better than the other. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. They could do better by working on the other form, but it's just never going to be quite where like yours. That's where the luck comes um, in. It's it's just a matter of just having the mechanics to do both. Well, but, but to your point, you for years have sharpened your technique and, got yourself as good as you can so that you could switch it. Another person who's done it, Corolla Gara injured, um, got an injury at the Arnold classic mm-hmm. and um, going into the world championships switched over from sumo to conventional. You don't see that often. You you don't see that often switch from sumo to conventional one IPF worlds go in the Sheffield, blah, blah, blah. If you can do it, my God, is it you're you're good because injury pops wow. up and you're like, well, I, I got options. I got I other options. Thing. Yeah. You can pull out plan B. You've got that's how I am with everything in life, you know, including competing. Like I just I have these contingency plans, I have these doomsday scenarios in my head. And I'm like, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? And it's just a totally ridiculous scenario, you know. Lo and behold, on the day of nationals, that ridiculous scenario <laughs> played out. And I'm like, well, you know, at least we've that's got a ridic- I like how you're like Look at, I've got like 35 ridiculous snails that are never going to happen, but one of them did on nationals and yeah. I was ready. And yeah. now, now who's laughing, but it's true, man. It is true. So when we go into this, so you, you miss narrowly 388.5. Now Bob's coming out to 392 and a half. Keenan's coming out to 396.5. When you're sitting back watching this, how are you feeling? Are you confident? Are you nervous? And then tell me when you realize I did it. I won the battle of the one tens and you, I mean, we don't have odds in powerlifting. I don't know if you were a favorite or a underdog. Do you feel like you were an underdog? Do you feel like I upset the odds or. I, I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think honestly, if we took a like population level, you know, poll of everyone that I guess participates and or watches like powerlifting, you know, no matter how big would that would be. I think more people would have Bob as a favorite to win that than, than me, which, you know, I was okay with. I was like, well, you know, they don't know what I know. And I've got, you know, abilities like being able to switch it that that nobody else has, you know. Um, so, you know, I think I can do this. Um, but watching them do their last deadlifts, just because of the weight that was there and because of how fast we were moving and the day that we had and, you know, all the all that had happened, I was, if I had to put like a number to it, I would say I was like 80% sure that neither of them were going to hit their third deadlifts. I was wow, like, I okay. think this is going to happen. You know, I'm going to like, you know, cheer them on. And if they hit it, the better man won. You know, like I, I, right. I, at least the better man on the day, the better performing man on the day won, right? Because we know the strongest doesn't necessarily always win, but who who put up the most attempts, you know, the best attempts, the best attempt selection, who won, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and hey, I would have, you know, better man won, right? That's that 20% that it might happen. But, but 80% of me was like, I don't think either of these guys are going to hit these numbers. And it's not because I don't think they're strong enough per se to do it. I think it's because we're in a fast paced meet. This is like a ninth, you know, a final attempt. You know, there's fatigue from everything else going on. There's a lot of pressure to hit this. 
you know, in any little thing with, with their technique or whatever could just completely disqualify them from winning this meet. So the odds of them hitting these numbers right now is low, right? And I think both of them would, would admit that too. Um just as like from a, a from an objective competitive standpoint, right? So that's kind of how I viewed that. But I didn't want to celebrate until it was over. So I, I waited until yeah, the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that. I mean, yeah. it's the hardest, but so when you when it when it did dawn <clears> on you. <throat> I just won the battle of the one tens by far the biggest, most competitive clash at USAPL Nats this year. And when you, you, when it dawned on you, I just won this. What were you thinking? What was the talk in your corner? And what was the communication with Bob and Keenan afterwards? I was just relieved. <laughs> I was one. I was relieved it was over, but I was also relieved that I had won. Um, so, you know, gave Christian a really big hug. <laughs> and then, you know, I like almost killed Steve Denovi. Uh, in excitement and um, it, it, it was fun but yeah I, and I know you know with, with Keenan and Bob <clears throat> Keenan and Bob so I consider both of them like friends so every time we do these events or I see them I usually like hang out with them outside of the competition too because I genuinely like both of them a lot um, they're good guys and you know like I, I know that it hurt you know like to lose that you know for both of them and, you know, because if I had lost, I would have felt the exact same way. And I understand that it wasn't just me and how hard I worked, but they also did the same thing. They probably sacrificed. They probably worked really hard. You know, they trained for months for this and, you know, just did not come out on top or didn't have the day they wanted. And it didn't pan out, you know, the way they wanted it to. And so, you know, I was definitely sympathetic towards that. And, you know, I definitely respect them as, you know, competitors and, and even after the meet, you know, like. I wouldn't be, you know, haughty or arrogant or, or getting their you know, face or nothing like that. It, it caused cause a scene. <laughs> but um, I mean, but but you know, like I I genuinely felt for those guys, and I was like, man, like to to work this hard and and to you know do so much, and for Keenan to travel across the world to be here, for Bob to you know really dial in every single variable possible just to be able to have the opportunity like to compete with me and to beat me, you know, directly. Um, and for them also to opt out of the primetime session to compete in the morning with me, I've got nothing. I but, appreciate that. Yeah. You know, yeah. That was class by both of those guys. It was, it, it's, it's honor, you know, it's, it's honor and integrity. It's honor amongst, you know, competitors. And it's something that I just so deeply cherished and respected. And that really made this specific like battle, one of the best I've ever done for me. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And, Let, and maybe mention that because some people listening might not know, but the backstory there, how you couldn't do the prime time. And they both said they had a, they had a huge sporting advantage over you. And they said, no, thank you. That's not how I want to win, which hats off. Like that's amazing that both of them did that, but maybe tell the backstory on how that happened. And yeah, sure. Let let me, let me spend the quick story on this. So um, what happened was Monday after Sunday. So we were originally, going to lift Saturday. Let me start here. We were originally going to lift Saturday primetime, the 110s, which was fine. It is Saturday evening. We lift, we finish Sunday. You know, we can head home, do whatever, right? So what happened was um, not too far out from the meet, the 110s were moved from Saturday to Sunday. That put me in a bind because um won't get into too much, you know, about like my career and stuff on here, but, you know, I'm active duty military and, um, the next day is a duty day <laughs> and it's mm. a day that's like non-negotiable that I can't miss and I need to be there. 
Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's try to figure this out. What can I do? You know, I can't do primetime Sunday because I won't get back in time. So um, I, I told myself, well, if, if I drive there, so I don't have to leave it up to chance, like of missing a flight or a flight getting canceled or something. If I drive to Memphis, it's, it's an, it's an 11 hour drive where I live. I was like, okay, drove to Memphis. And um, after I compete, you know, if I compete in the regular session, which will happen in the morning, I'll be able to drive back afterwards, make it back in time. You know, I won't sleep, but I'll wake up and I'll be there then at work the next day. And, you know, and it panned out exactly as I planned, which was, thank, thank God, it was beautiful. But, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was tough. And um, so with, with that being said, um, I couldn't do primetime, you know. Um, you know, I have like my priorities and my duties and there's things that I cannot neglect. So I couldn't do prime time. So I, I bopped it to compete in the morning session. As I said, Bob and Keenan, you know, I let them know that this was happening. I think their coaches, like everybody, you know, let them know this was happening, you know, and they wanted to compete with me more than they wanted to win for the sake of winning. Right. So they both opted and agreed, and all of us agreed, we're all going to compete together in the morning session. And you know what? If if Bob or Keenan had a similar predicament, um, I know that I would do the same thing because, because we, all three of us, we've all been monitoring each other so closely. We've all been training so hard, and we've all really been anticipating this direct you know, confrontation for so long that... We just, none of us just wanted to, none of us wanted to throw that away and get some cheap win in a primetime session after the other guys had already competed and after the dust is settled because everyone in the world would know. But more importantly, all three of us, the competitors would know that it was not the same and that it, that it's just, it's not the same. You know? That's such a cool story though. The fact that you pulled from primetime to have to go into the morning and when your fellow competitors heard that, and for anyone listening, the advantage they would have had oh, can't yeah. be overstated. There's almost no way I would have done that. Yeah. 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 It was, like the fact that they risked it all and in, in went head up with you, that's off. The, that is like, that's what sports is about. That is a lovely sporting story where they're like, no, you know, th- this means too much. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's a, I love that that happened. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot of, I think, honor, you know, among, you know, among, among us. And, and we, um, we care about competing against, you know, the best in the world and, and formidable, you know, opponents. And if we win, we beat them head on. And, you know, if, if we don't win, then, you know, the better man on the day won. And, you know, that's kind of what that is, but you know, the, these like cheaper, easy wins, you know, we just, I don't think any of us believe in that. So, um, You've won this now. The battle of the one tens is concluded. It's been a lot of chatter of what might be next. What is next for you, young man? Okay, yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll yeah, let's. <laughs> First, we're still celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, the as it stands, I'm registered for a powerlifting America meet in November in Houston. So that's where I plan to qualify for PA Nationals. Um, the goal from there is to go do PA Nationals and to win um, and to PR the total there. And then um, go to Worlds in Lithuania in June. The goal is to win there. And then 
2025, the goal is, um, as it stands currently, and this is subject to change, Sheffield. I do want to win Sheffield. I think that I can win Sheffield and the World Games. And I think that would be a great two-year plan and, and close things out. It's very ambitious, I know, but I'm an ambitious guy. It's amazing. Like, if you think IPF Worlds, Sheffield, World Games, like, those are events of events. World Games is a multi-sport global event, which is massive. I don't know if you've seen the World Games opening ceremonies and, like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. I watched and Birmingham. Sheffield, what's that, sorry? I watched them compete in Birmingham. Okay, well, there you go. I've got to tell you that. It's crazy, man. Um, the experiences and, and, and the ambition on this. So when you watched IPF Worlds this summer, did you watch it? Sorry, I'm assuming here. I did. Okay. I okay. Did. What were your thoughts on, because for me, A, I want your thoughts on competitiveness, um, you know, the 105s, Anatoly, et cetera. And then B, what IPF Worlds is looking like now, because it's, keeps leveling up every year and they have like crowds with stands and the vibe they have people with drums beating like when new zealand people hit the people beating literally beating drums and the french are standing with flags yelling and it was like ruckus yeah as opposed to previous ipf worlds were not like this every year it's getting crazier and crazier oh it's it's changing yeah it's changing Uh, even from back when i did it way back then and from what I've seen the years after that, and then the last couple of years, it's it's really changed. And it, it, and it's leveling up. And um, I think we're really close in a lot of weight classes to eclipsing um, a lot of the records that exist now and putting up some really massive totals and just some awesome performances. Um, I'm excited for the, the opportunity. I'm excited for the challenge. Um, at, at this time, my plan is to compete in the 105s, um, not 120 or not 93. Um, which I, I did consider by the way, fun fact. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could, I could make that cut. Um, but right now the plan is to do one Oh fives and to go head to head with Anatoly, Emil and whoever else wants to show up and, you know, and, and thinks they can win and, and, uh, you know, duke it out with all of them in Lithuania. And, um, you know, I think this will be good for them too, because I think for a while there hasn't been anyone to push them in that weight class, but, if I come over there, then they have to be better or they won't win. So it's just really just, just by numbers. Like that's not being me being arrogant. That's just like me being an objective minded competitor. Like if they don't improve, they won't win. That's look at me. You earned, you earned the right to say this, you know, numbers, men lie, women lie. Numbers don't. Just don't. (laughs) And And I know that they can both get better than they are too. I know they both can improve and I know that they both, have potential to be something yeah just better and and i want to and i want to pull that potential out of them and i want another i want another dog fight so you know i'm hungry for it um you know the discussion because bob is all like he was on the podcast previously like well before even this nationals talking about ambitions of 120 etc exact timelines weren't sure and this battle hadn't concluded yet but have you had any discussions? Do you know which way Bob will go? Or do you think Bob's still humming and hawing on 105, 120? I think we're pretty much locked in what we want to do. And I think Bob is probably going to go 120. That's a 15. Well, I guess he doesn't have to fill it out, though. 
No, he doesn't play in the fill at 120. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say that that's a weight class limit, but not minimum. And I, and sometimes you you know you forget that. Like, whoa, he's gonna add 15 kilo? Maybe, maybe not. In in but, a year, yeah. you know, in a year or so, like I could see him being uh, an actual 110, and you know, weighing 110, competing 120, and actually doing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really yeah. well. So, so it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to see what he does. It'll be interesting to see what Keenan does too. I'm like, I know like with, you know, their, their IPF affiliate, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but I know that it's just kind of messy there, but I mean, man, I would really love for Keenan to come over to, to one Oh five and just, cause I want to compete with Keenan again. I want to compete with Bob again, but you know, it's just how that would happen. I'm not entirely sure, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, hats off to those two gentlemen. I, I, you know, I really appreciated that, that competition and, you know, it was one of the most intense ones I've ever done. And it was, uh, you know, it, it just, it felt the best winning because I felt like I truly earned it. And I gave everything I had and, you know, it, there was just nothing sweeter. So. um, In terms of Keenan, uh, is he a dual citizen American as well? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well then he could, he could, I think go powerlifting America if he wanted to. And yeah, that might be conversation. I mean, and he weighed in 105 point, you know, yep. a little extra change. Like he, he could, I mean, and then Frick, what are we talking about here? Like that. Let's see a world with, with, with man. I, it would just be crazy just to have a, a team, a U.S. team with two 105s. It could happen, my dude. If, yeah. if Keenan decides, you know, hey, you know what? I'm going powerlifting to America. I'm sure, look, you're a dual citizen, rock and roll. Let's see what happens. I mean, the thing is a U.S. is so stacked. You have... Petrie coming over, so the 93s will be stupid stacked with Gavin, Petrie, and Keiko. It might be two 93s. It might be two 105s. But then you have like Delaney Wallace, double world champion, 83. But then you have Russ. It could be two 83s, like uh, let alone 74s. You got Atwood and Perk. Like, I mean, US's US's B team is going to be crazy. Let alone the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see these battles because the world unite. Um, so yeah, I would love if Keenan comes over. Even if we just get the CPA Nats, it's going to be a phenomenal showdown. Let alone if you guys all make a world team. And the thing with Bob, if he goes one twenty for sure, and and that's the route he's taking, and then he goes Worlds, and then he goes Sheffield. If and this is way down the road, but let's just do for the sake of pathways because this is how lifters look. They plan on winning. So let's say he wins Worlds and he goes Sheffield. Mm-hmm. His, the 120, because obviously Sheffield was based off of percentage of what you broke the world record. If he's within a cut to 105, but he goes to 120, you're, and you're also going Sheffield, you have a smaller world record you have to break than he does. So it is like, yeah, it's, it's not an easy path. Yeah. Hats off to him, but it's like, you're going to have tough. to face Ashton. And Ashton has a lower barometer. He has to hit, conceivably, yeah. right? Like one of the biggest things that this meet showed me was I was just inches away from hitting a nine ninety point five total that day with the back that was like mildly strained, and I did it at one hundred five point, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know for a fact now that whatever my potential is at one hundred five, I haven't, I haven't hit it yet. I haven't filled it out, and um, I'm really excited to do that. So the world record total right now for one hundred fives is nine forty, I believe. And That's I right. think for 120, it's 978. And I That's think I can beat 130 at 105. Yeah. 
I honestly, it's, it's a big difference. It's a, we're talking a 38 kilo difference, um, which, you know, 15 kilo body weight difference makes sense. That tracks logically, but I want to beat that total at 105 by like a lot. Here's one thing too. Let me throw this out there. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm bringing Rondell on. Rondell Hunt is coming on the podcast and we're going to discuss future plans, yada, yada. But if Rondell sits out a year and comes back, now the last time he competed was USAPL Nats. By the time he competes again, will be that eligible compete will be next fall. And I don't know what Compy is going to do or whatever the heck, but by the time the next Sheffield rolls around, will be the following year again. Yep. So I don't know the timeline. I don't know events, whatever. But when Rondell comes, when Bob goes 120, whether he has to deal with Rondell at a world scenario or deal with Rondell at whatever scenario head-to-head or whether he has to deal with a total Rondell puts up somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, we don't, there's too many things floating around here. But Rondell will, could conceivably be coming to 120's IPF side. That's yeah. another piece where Bob is... He's an ambitious, fearless young man. Yeah. God bless yeah. him. Because he I, maybe he doesn't deal with Rondell for another year after that. But maybe he does. I don't know. It's all like, because uh, Rondell's over a G. You know, he, he's already there. So it's, I don't know. You don't know. That, I would crazy. love to see it. I would love to see it. I Man, I really wish Rondell would have been able to like, Stay in our weight class, but I but because to compete with us, because that would have been probably the craziest four we got over. But was but, it 105 uh, or a 110? Okay. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. That would have been insane. But but I think he's in the weight class he belongs in, and he performs really well there. I think it's good for him and his, like his his body and his competitive aspirations. So he's where he's where he needs to be, you know. And I respect it. But man, that would have been crazy. But it'd be oh, yeah. good to see him go over to the IPF and then do it. Um, Rondell is is an amazing competitor. I would love to see what it would look like with him having a head-to-head battle again, where he could win or lose and how he would perform there. Because again, it's, it's, it's entirely different. It's an entirely different thing. I alluded to this earlier, head-to-head competitions, you're putting in numbers to, to win or, um, you know, not necessarily register, you know, the biggest total you possibly can, but register the biggest total you need to win. Whereas, you know, there's also competing where you come in, there's really no pressure or stress from any competition, and you just put up the biggest total that you can. And right. Just do. Like when right. I was a junior in the 220 weight class, I weighed 217 and I put up 2095. And, and that was like me, like YOLOing a third deadlift and like not even putting as much pounds as I could have on the total either. Like that was just like me having fun. So that felt a lot different, right? In terms of competing than like competing with Bob and Keenan. Totally. So, so I would love to see like him actually have some competition to, to push him, you know, that would be, so that'd be awesome to see because Rondell is like a phenomenal lifter. Uh, He's a good dude too. I love, like I see, I've seen him in person a few times now. I've gotten to meet him and hang out with him a bit. I really like the guy and I would just, I would love to see him compete. Like not like, not just lift and put up a, um, a performance we can marvel at, but to compete. That's what I want to see. So it would be cool. Cool. Bob will bring that out of him. It's yeah. Bob, like conceivably, look, we're 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 kind of adding body weight onto Bob, then adding total totals, you know, kilos onto his total. 
it's hard to predict necessarily exactly. Not everybody, because you add body weight, does your total to shoot up, but some people it does. So yeah. we'll have to see. And maybe Bob <clears throat> attempts it, feels what it feels like, and then maybe he turns around and he's like, you know what? He could always change his mind. It, yeah. It's kind of like it's experimental for him too. You, you got to double check. But in terms of for yourself, so you had mentioned for sure 105s, and I think for sure that's the best route. Go 105 for Worlds. And then you see the potential to just take that world record and run with it for Sheffield, for World Games, etc. But do you think in the future, to keep yourself, you know, in terms of options, putting, adding weight to 120 just to see, let's max out. Or you ever think, let's get diced up. The 93s have sensational battles maybe russ is a 93 by then you already know the 93s are stacked every if, year well, the year after i finished one of because I'm, I'm pretty set on 105 this year like the year after if you know granted like i'm I'm still competing at that at that level at this point and in, in, in contention for like you know world title if russ went 93 i would cut down to 93 I would love that matchup. That would be such a crazy matchup. And I've always wanted oh, yeah. to be with Russ, but our weight classes have always just been different. But that would be so, so much fun. Uh, it'd, it'd be it'd be a big honor. And, um, you know, if that were in the cards, you know, if he cut to 93 and I was and I was feeling it, you know, um, him and whoever <laughs> else, I'd, that'd be he, fun. He announces, he announces on Monday, 93. You announce on Tuesday, 93. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would love it. And it would be good too, because it would give me time to actually like cut down to like, you know, maybe two tennis like safely. And then, you know, water mm -hmm. comes to meet stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's on my radar, right? Like it's, it's not, you know, it may not necessarily be the most likely outcome, but, but it is on my radar and it is something that's in the back of my mind. 120 is also in the back of my mind. You know, I've thought about um, doing 120, going up to about 250 pounds of body weight. And doing that for a year, and then after that, being done. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you know, it, this this is an exciting time right now. But um, I think for now, without you know getting myself too carried away, I think one hundred fives is a good move. And I think uh, for me, competitively, and what I'll be able to put up in terms of total and and weightlifted, I think it's a really good middle ground and compromise. It's. Um, so for sure, obviously, yeah, you want to see through 105. <clears throat> and, and, and the intrigue about 120 is the intrigue about just maximizing pure all out, if you were as big as you can be, how strong you could be. And that's always intriguing so that you could hang your hat and be like, I saw my top end max possible output. Um, but the intrigue with Russ, because you're not the only guy who's who's mentioned, hey, for a clash with Russ. There's something about, is it with Russ, the fact that he brings so much eyeballs and the fact that like as hype as this showdown was, yeah. my God, if you clash with yeah. Russ, let's say Sheffield, because you both would be world champions by that point if you're going both going to Sheffield. So let's do hypotheticals here. Is it that that potential of, my man, if I'm world champ at 105, you're world champ at E3, if we both agree to meet in the middle or whatever the heck, like, is it because all the attention and eyeballs Russ brings that makes it that, you know, what, what do you think it is? Because you're not the only person who said, look at for Russ. Yeah. You know, it's a really, I have an interesting answer. So it's actually, it has nothing to do with his popularity. That's the funniest thing that what it has to do with me for Russ personally is um, he is <clears throat> the competitive juggernaut. 
he is the man to beat. He is very, very hard to beat. I've lost meets. Keenan's lost meets. Bob's lost meets. Russ hasn't really, like, lost. I mean, maybe he did years ago, sure. But, like, once he got on his competitive streak, he just kept winning and winning and winning and winning. And it was just... And it was crazy. And every year people are like, you know, oh, someone's going to beat him. Someone's going to beat him, you know. And then he, he wins again. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's one of the coolest things to see. Like, and like, as a, again, speaking as like an objective, like competitor, to me, his like accolades and his resume is is very impressive because he is a competitive juggernaut. He just wins a lot. He's just good at winning. <laughs> and, Fair enough. I would love to be able to compete with that and win. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's super cool. He's, he just wins. And, and that's a guy that, that, you know, I would want to go against and it would be a unique challenge and it would pull the best out of me undoubtedly, like competing with, you know, these other top level guys has, and, you know, it'd be something cool to chase. I don't know. I think yeah, the <laughs> last time he lost was 2018. <laughs> With, yeah. with Brett Gibbs. And Gibbs. since then, to your point, when people don't realize how difficult it is to win at this level, and it's not like he's in a weight class that's unpopulated, 82 and a half and 83s are stacked every year. Just, oh, yeah. it, this is not like an oddball weight class. This is one of those super duper heavy populated weight classes. And you, you like you mentioned, old, like yourself, Ashton, Bob, whoever you want to mention, will lose every now and then because it's sport. When you compete for years, time after time, you win. You, you like you guys are obviously all like fucking ridiculously talented athletes, but to never lose for year after year after year at the top end in such a competitive weight class is, you know, when I think about it off the top of my yes. head, he might have, he he might be the most winningest of the elite lift from 2018. Yeah, it's probably him. <laughs> Even Ray lost since then. Like, yeah, Ray, yeah. Man. That guy that like quite you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy to watch him compete. He, the guy just wins over and over. I'm like, man, if I could compete with that guy and if I could beat him, that would be crazy. If you were the guy to do it. And and also as fun as it as it is to get like as big as possible, strong as possible, something said to get all diced up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it's a sure. new challenge to be looking in the mirror and be like, oh damn, okay. Yeah, I'm, o- I'm okay with 93. I mean, one, like being in the military, like weighing that, I can run like the freaking wind at 93 kilos, okay. you know, 95 kilos, whatever. And then two, um, you know, I, I like that weight class, that 205 roundedness weight class, because I can weigh a little bit over that and then easily mm. come to it. And I just don't want to weigh under 200. Like that, that's like, that's the, it's just like my one thing. Like I don't want to weigh under 200 right now, you know? Um, and I think 210 to like 215 is that really good, like middle ground where I'm like super, super muscular, like almost no fat. And then, you know, I look good. I can do, you know, anything like athletically and, um, and, and still be really strong and lift a lot of weight and put up like over 2000 pound totals. And that's kind of what I want. You know, if I go to 93, like I don't intend on totaling less than 2000. So if memory serves my first 900 kilo total. I was 22, I think. I, I weighed 207 at that meet. So I think I was 94 kilos. Yeah, let me take a look here. I have your IPF. 
Yep, that was at a meet. Uh, it was it was the uh, Power Fest in Houston, Texas, back in I think I want to say twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, a Power Fest. My God, have you competed a lot? Yeah, my <laughs> friend. Holy macro! But um, yeah, to your point, and it's something different. It's it's just new goals. Yeah. After you've achieved, after you've done the USAPL Nats, IPF Worlds, Sheffield, and World Games, if you bang all that off for a new challenge and something completely new to get all diced up and look like that when you take your shirt off and people are like, God damn. And you're like, I, I'm a competitive powerlifter. People will be like, yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> like when they see you on the beach and they're like, what do you do? You do, you know, you, you look exactly like, yes, you're a world champion. Yeah. Like, it feels good, too. Yeah, no, for sure. I The last time I weighed that, like 205, I was at like 8% body fat. <laughs> I would love to look like that again, man. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you, you're only getting more muscular, obviously, right? Yeah. So you, you'll so be I more and more dice. Like at that, at that weight again, for sure. Yeah. So that would be, man, that would be so awesome. But uh, yeah, it's, it's something it, brewing in there. It would take another step in terms of like nutrition coaching and whatever, but that's fine. This is the leveling up because there's 100% you could get to the body weight. The trick is get there while retaining as much muscle mass and strength. strength so that's where awesome. you bring yeah. in, you know, like a Kedrick or whatever nutrition guy or you <clears throat> have one, I don't know, but uh, where you're making sure you're hitting your calorie targets, macro targets, and just, you just keep leveling up like, like professional athletes do. You know, this is just another step, another layer. And some people are like, I hate doing calories and macros. For me, when I started adding that stuff in, I felt more and more like a legitimate athlete now. Where you're like, I have a nutritionist. You know what I mean? You're like, this feels <laughs> real now. This feels legit now, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. No, for sure. Cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah. Uh, my friend, do you want to play a little name game like we did last time where I drop a name and um, you could tell me, uh, one word answer, two word answer. You could say a story. You could say, there's no right and wrong answers to tell you the truth, but what? just off the top of your head, give me a response. And, um, and that's it. Wait All right. Okay. Easy off the top. Uh, Bob Matthews. Uh, fierce competitor. Honorable. Keenan Lee. Honorable. Massive. Massive. Massive guy, yeah. He's, he's see, I've never met him in real life. He looks he's, he's a huge big. dude. Yeah, he's like he's probably like six foot one and oh, like two hundred thirty pounds of muscle. Yeah, that guy's huge. Wow, you can't tell on video sometimes, but six one's massive for a power lift guy. Yeah. He has a he has a very like uh like a very like powerful appearance, like physically, yeah. For mm. sure. Um Anatoly Novopismani. The next guy to beat. There it is. Fair enough. Um, Marcellus Williams. Incredible coach and a brother. Mr. Chessnificent Christian. One of my best friends. And I'm best man at his wedding. <laughs> or will be. There, yeah. you, there you go. Best man. Uh, Joe Stanek. Hmm. Incredible athlete performances at the Raw Nationals. Rondell Hunt. Powerhouse. 
no lies there either. Jesus Oliveras. If he can beat Dan Bell's wrapped record, he's that guy. And he, he will see. He might do it. He might do it, which is freaking insane. Yeah. For him to be, for him to be the best all time period tested or untested at his age. Yeah. What uh, when Ray Williams was in his prime, he was so far ahead of everyone else. We just thought like that was Ray, it. Ray's as yeah. good as it gets. And then Jesus comes. Yeah. And everything changes. We big should total, rethink everything. Big total, bigger heart for Jesus. Right. For that. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. Um, Russell or he. The juggernaut. He is the juggernaut. Austin Perkins. Tipping on the heels of the best of all time. Taylor Atwood. I hope he gets it together. Yep. It's, it's, here's the thing. He's in his mid thirties. It's tough. He's had, he's, he's won multiple world. Yeah. Full-time job, family. Yeah, we, it would be great to see him and Perk uh, Atwood at a hundred percent. Him and Perk head to head, etc. But I'd love we'll it. See. Only, only time will tell. Hopefully, I'll pray, I'll pray um, for yeah. And uh, how about this one? Last guy, and then I'll get into a couple of words that aren't names of people, but words, and we'll continue same same situation. Heat Spence. He has solid vision. He's doing, I think he's doing good things for, for powerlifting. And I think he's, he's learning along the way. And I think he's open to criticism. So there's a lot, there's good things to say there. Yeah, for sure. I like Pete. He's definitely, <laughs> for people who, who, who don't know, like he's a, a huge piece with Sheffield and um, putting in there. So like, you know, he, Nat stream, et cetera. Yeah. And, you gotta give uh, the man credit for that. He did well. You know? It is a crazy, like, for something as big as Sheffield, holy freaking smokes, man! I would not need, want to take on something like that. The yeah. hype around Sheffield was freaking insane, and everything that SBD is doing. I know you're an SBD athlete, but um, everything they're doing, it's it's a uh, it's a lot, man. It's so much in the eye of what of the entire community and up for scrutiny by the entire community. And the hype on it, uh, I don't even know. I don't know how some of these guys deal with it. Pete and the whole SBD team. So hats off to them. Because uh, it's the, I know the nights and weeks and whatever that that, that they work. There's no time off. Um, so having said that, ha, here here's one. IPF Worlds. When? <laughs> First word that comes to my mind. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. How about this one? The next step, Sheffield. Hmm. Beat the official IPF 105 and 120 total. My friend, and that's the last one, and that's freaking um you yeah. do that. I mean, we'll see who's all showing up at that Sheffield. But um, I can't well, can you imagine? We all know who's crossing over. You versus Perk, because Perk can take the 74 kilo total for a ride, but we're oh, yeah. gonna take the 105s, <coughs> but like I don't even know. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough uh, to win Sheffield over Perkins. That would be very, very tough, very steep. Um, but 
you know, I, I would be up for the challenge and I'd also be competing with the other 105s there. It would just be, it would just be crazy. It'd be such a great competition. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the future. I think there's, there's a lot of good things in store for powerlifting. So I think it's going to be a really yeah. good couple of years. Agreed, man. Agreed. I'm, I'm glad. First off, thank you for coming on the podcast as usual, man. Have you won't, I've been having you on for years, but I, owe, I appreciate each and every time. Congratulations on the win of the battle of the one tens, which was a crazy hyped battle. You know, you want to talk about pressure to perform. I'm sure, I mean, there's tons of, but it, it elevates you. It's a good stress. It, it, it forces you to elevate your game. Just like you said, you're going to bring to IPF worlds. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to see you soon in person, my dude. When you yeah. come over to the PA, I'll be commentating. So I'll, uh, you know, can't do any big announcements, but we'll be in touch, my friend. And um, um, it's a pleasure to have you on the IPF side and see what the heck happens. The future is bright. So future congratulations, my man. Uh, much appreciated. Good luck with all the training. I'll see you soon. And for everybody listening, Please do subscribe, give us high ratings as per usual, and until next time, six-pack lapidat, six Cheers. up, and we are out.